live from the UK, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mic Drop Club, hosted by Douglas Hammond Message received. Message received. You do not need to know what you need. What you need. Just engage with the podcast feed. Just engage with the podcast feed. Providing weekly insights into cool stuff we've read, saw, did, or heard about what made us say, wow, eureka, damn, nothing is off limits. If it motivates and inspires you to reach your goals, then it shall be discussed. Featuring guest interviews from high performers and people of influence and weekly awards for the best mic drop moment. This podcast is guaranteed to leave you pumped up for the week ahead. Don't just live life, make life boom. Hi, everybody, it's Douglas Hamadiche for another episode of the Mic Drop Club. Today, I'm super, super blessed, I'm super pumped, I'm super stoked. I have somebody sharing the platform, co-hosting the Mic Drop Club, sharing with you nuggets of wisdom as you will be informed and 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 share and she will share with you her entrepreneurial journey. I have the one and only from Guy De Mera with us. And without further ado, let's bring it to the show. From Guy, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really good. Um, yeah, I've had a hectic week, but I'm glad I'm here. And at least we have these conversations. They help us kind of relax and chill. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no, fantastic. And I, I do respect your time. And you're, you're an you. individual that knows the value of time. And I think that's going to be a common thread in what you're going to be disclosing why time is so important and what you do with the time that you have. So just for our listeners to get a feel of who you are and what you do, uh, the overview is you are an entrepreneur working in the health and social care space, providing great value to empowering citizens and patients. Okay, so could you talk us through your journey, Fungai? Oh, thank you so much. So, yeah, I am... I, I, I still call myself a migrant because I migrated from Zimbabwe to the UK coming here to work. So economic migrant coming to work. And it's been an amazing journey because I've been here since April 2000, sorry, April 2000. And coming from, from, become, from, from being a nurse, working on the wards and working in care homes for a year or so, and then straight after went into business. So I'm, I've been an entrepreneur for the last 20 years and it's been the most amazing journey that I that that I've kind of that I've kind of been and because it's so filled with so many ups and downs, you know, and I've learned a lot of things. And I think um I, I don't think I'm the same person anymore. I keep evolving, literally I keep evolving. So now I am a tech entrepreneur. So can you imagine from just being a nurse to tech tech entrepreneur, it's because the challenges that, that, that I've faced along the way, they've caused me to, to look at life and look at things differently. And they've caused me to innovate and be part of the people that are, that are creating solutions. So, so I guess um, life takes us on a journey. And I think it's important what we take out of it, because it's how you look at it, what you take out of it. Otherwise, I don't think life is meant to be easy anyway. And without the challenges, I don't think the best in us would come up anyway. So, yeah. I could go on about it. <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, thank you for that. Because certainly um, the entrepreneur journey, the highlights of that journey, i.e. the successes mm-hmm. are well documented 
in leading entrepreneurs yeah. like yourself, you know, Steve Jobs, all the ones that have done those great things. You know, there's so many tech entrepreneurs journey that has been documented in terms of the successes. But mm. as you think you're alluding to the actual journey, the struggles. Okay. If you can talk Absolutely. me through, like, what was it like arriving to the UK when you did, you know, with no blueprint to emulate? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, so, you know, I always speak to people and I always reflect, right, that the lens through which, I think the lens through which we see life is very important because that defines what nuggets or what road or what path we are going to walk. So I remember landing in England with my little little suitcase. You know, everybody used to say, when you're going to England, don't take many things with you. So it was just a little suitcase with a few clothes in it. And it it was just in April, so roundabout, roundabout this time in the seasons are changing and the weather is changing. But I remember getting here and just realizing that what do I want for me and how, how do I want this life to look like, you know? And one thing I was certain though, because that was one of the things that had made me uh, leave Zimbabwe, right? I had just got married to my husband and, and I had worked for a month in a hospital. And when I received my payslip, I cried. And I thought, surely, honestly, I couldn't have just finished and qualified as a nurse only to earn this kind of money. I could be more. I deserve more. And that was one of the pushes why I came. But when I got here, I knew that I wanted more. Wanting more was something that had driven me ever since I was a child from the age of five years. Coming from the very poor parts of Zimbabwe in a little town, called Kadoma in a little place called Rimoka. Yeah, one of those people that we never count, they would come out. So I had come out of that and there is no way I was going to get here and just settle. I had okay, so much from guy, that pause I for a minute. Pause for a minute. <laughs> what you deserve for that is what we call a mic drop. Okay, guys, okay. everybody ready? Here's your first Atomic mic drop of the show. Mic drop. There you go. Well done. Well done for that. We salute that because... There's so much you could have done in the opposite direction. You know, there's Absolutely. something about remaining meek and humble and accepting your quota in life. Absolutely. And you said quite clearly you wanted more. You felt there's something in you that deserves more. Where does that come from? I really genuinely think that that was cultivated in me as a child because when I was reflecting now, because I'm always having these reflective moments and I've always reflected and looked back to say, how how did these seeds end up in my heart? And, and how did I, I have this kind of thinking and this kind of mindset? And I really believe that my parents pay, played a very big role. Now, my father was one of the most irresponsible people on earth. I mean. I always say he used to do what we call child planting. There's plenty of us. I bet you were more than 35 and I don't even know some of my siblings. But one thing for sure that he had in him that he used to instill in us was not to settle for less. And I remember in that little community we lived in, what, me wanting to go and play with other kids' bikes and wanting to want other people, other, pe- other things that other people had. And my dad would pull me back and say, Fungai, we don't have. This is what we have, and I don't want you to want what what other people have. But one thing I want you to do is to know that if you work hard, you are going to have it for yourself. 
So I want you to focus on your school. So my father would gather us every Friday and sit down with us and tell us that education, education, education. And I remember coming from school with a report, if I wasn't, I wasn't number one, and if I was number two, my dad would give me a beating. I would get a cane for, for becoming number two. So, so from that young age, I need. I knew that I needed to be number one. <laughs> Literally, yeah, absolutely, I needed to be number one. Good, 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 good. And we just need to put a disclaimer out there because we're in the UK now, and um, chastisement is no longer allowed. However, absolutely. we come from an environment where the chastisement, and I think I'm a firm believer that um, a parent's responsibility is to raise children into the environment that they're going to go into. And a lot of people that are from minority groups, the reality is where we're going to grow up into is harsh. Absolutely. The police are not going to take you lightly. So a a wrap around the wrist and all of those things is not comparable to a life behind bars, you know, as a destitute and all those things. So I get that. So your, your father instilled with you these values that you hold on to to this day. It's a principle, I guess. You live by that. It's a principle. And let me add to that principle. I want to drill that principle in as well because I don't think it's so much much about the the cane, but my my father believed that train up a child the way that they should go, that when they leave home, they are ready to take on the world. And and we we were living in such a harsh environment that, he knew that it was important for him to prepare us to, to be ready to, to fight for what is good, right? So, so I think those principles, they still mm, apply today, even though we are not using the cane, but it's very important for us to instill the principles, the fundamentals, because that's what makes a person. And then for me, an additional layer to that was... Okay, guys, it. everybody ready? You're still doing Atomic. it. Here you go, you're on a roll. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, and our parents and my father, more and above, over and above that, he made sure that he he instilled the belief culture in us. So he would make sure that we go to church. Now, I'm not saying people must taking their children to church, but whatever belief system you have, you need to make sure you instill it hardcore in your children. Because for me, when I went to church and I was told that I'm the head and I'm not the tail, I am the apple of God's eye. I am chosen. I am a chosen generation and I am born for such a time like this. At the age of five, that's it. I didn't need to worry about the poverty that, that was around me. I didn't need to think about it because in my head, I knew that I'm, I'm the head. So even in my ragged clothes, even other people laugh at me at school. In my heart, I knew that I am chosen and that's it. Excellent. So I lived with that principle from then to now. I am chosen and that's it. You can't and, and, take, the, you and can't there's some nuggets of deep rooted wisdom in what you're saying. I don't think the audience are fully comprehending what we are witnessing right here. Okay, so I'm going to have to repeat that. Atomic okay. mic drop. We hear of people who feel they're entitled to either support, entitled to success, but believing and instilling yourself a set of principles that says, no, it is yours for the taking. There's abundance, I guess, in terms of opportunities for people who are not able, who are not lazy, 
who are go-getters. So you have that. I see it about yourself. Even this conversation we're having today, I know you're planning, you're thinking ahead of your meeting at three o'clock, but you're able to divide your time accordingly. So how do you remain positive and how do you handle all of these things that you're processing in one day as an entrepreneur, tech specialist, nurse, wife? What does that look like in your head? If I could be in there, what's happening in there? A hive of activity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, I'm going to go back to those principles because once I think once you lay those foundations and those principles, right, they grow with you and, and now you are, you, you are growing with them. So from that young age, remember, we had to be part of the economy in the home. My, my father was struggling to, to feed us. He would come home with his payslip and say, my children, this month I earned $97. It was $97 for eight children and for mom and dad. And he would say, this is what we have, but I need you to, I need your help to figure out how we're going to feed the family. So we had, we had um, uh, mango trees around the home. We had guava trees around, and we would pick the guavas and the mangoes and we could we would put them in a dish and go into streets and sell the mangoes. And I, I remember I would be so excited if I sold all my mangoes and my guavas that day and bring home the little money to contribute towards the food. So can you see how these principles and how the multitasking is already starting? So before you go to school, you would wake up, contribute around the home. After school, other kids are going to after school club. You would come home, do the mangoes because you know we have to sell some mangoes for us to earn some money to buy the meal for that day or the meal for tomorrow. So where, where, where would I get the sense of entitlement? Mm. entitled by who for who <laughs> you have to be part of the economy you have to contribute and do your part and so from that young age i knew that for you to get anything you work for it yes so so arriving in england and getting here and knowing that i could work as a nurse i could earn my money i could earn my living that was a bonus and then and then realizing what the money could do oh my gosh with that little salary, realizing how much I could do for myself and for others was a winning formula, right? So I think that mindset really played a very big role in terms of the way I operate now. So the way I operate now is that I work with what I have and work with, with the means, what I have in terms of time, in terms of money, in terms of relationships. But I know that I can share what I have and it can go a long way and it can be enough. Mm. And that's very important because it's not about how much time you have. It's not about how much money you have. It's about what do you do with the money and the time you have for you to achieve more with it. Absolutely. And to you know what, on that one, I want you to just repeat that again. Just repeat that again about enough. This whole concept about enough. I think that we, we all have enough time and we all have enough money. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about how much money you have. It's about what do you do with what you have. Perfect. And stop worrying about what you don't have. Excellent. 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 I'm so, so stoked. This is what I was saying, guys. From guys in the house, it's a different conversation. You're talking to a different breed of human being here okay you need to digest that all of you guys out there who's saying i don't have enough money 
I don't have enough time, don't have enough resources. When guy is telling you, you have enough, make better use of those assets around you. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. So that, so straight to what, straight off the bat, I know you're different. You arrive in the UK, um, not alone. There were other migrants from Zimbabwe as well, economic migrants at the time. Absolutely. Um, what was it like assimilating with the other migrants that had different mindsets, different philosophies? You know, did, were you scapegoated? Were you black sheeped out? Like, what was that like for you? Right. So, so again, like I say to you, we had agreed, we had made a pact with my husband. I was going to arrive here and a month later he would follow. And I was the nurse. I, I was the one with the qualification. My husband is from a legal background, which means when he got here, he wouldn't get a job exactly in the line of what he wanted to do. He, he would have to do whatever that, that's there. So straight away, once my husband arrived, we realized that our brain and our thinking was very different to everybody. Everybody was happy to settle for, for whatever jobs that was there. They were happy to just enjoy life and the money that we're getting. But we saw an opportunity to be different. And we saw an opportunity to start a legacy of our own. And literally, we agreed with my husband that I would continue to work and he would figure, we would figure out there was no way he was going to be peeling potatoes for the next six months. Like literally, no, he done it for a month and realized that this wasn't us. You know, he was from a legal background, so he could do better with the opportunities. And guess what? I am forever grateful. I'm telling you, some people don't, are not grateful for what they have. I want to come back to that point. Because for us, we arrived in Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton University was offering uh, startups, uh, packages for people who wanted to start businesses. They still do that to this day. This, there was no discrimination whether you were a migrant or who you were. It was an opportunity come and be incubated at the university. There was the digitization programs. So they were doing computer literacy courses. They would give you a mentor to mentor you in whatever idea that you had. And they would give you an office and they'll give you a phone. For us, that was a million dollars. We realized that this is a million dollar opportunity. So we jumped on it. We had an idea. I was working in a care home. There were staff shortages in the care home. There was lots of us migrant communities, community people coming. So could we not fill the gap and support the care homes with the staffing issues? Could we not support our local hospital, which was the Royal Wolverhampton Hospital, with staffing issues? Of course we could. But how could we learn and understand the ropes? We had just arrived. We agreed with my husband, let's approach the university. And we did. Mm-hmm. We just literally had the guts and the confidence to approach the university. Remember, we just arrived. English was not my first language. Mm-hmm. I was Black. I was African. In a community where you are surrounded by everything else that you think might go against you, I was on a work permit. My husband was a was a was a was a what's what's that word when he is a dependent? Okay, he was a dependent on my work permit, so he could do whatever he wanted. I should I could work within the remit of my work permit. Now, some people will say we always want to give excuses and say, "Oh, we didn't know that was available," but find out information. So, so we have enough around us and opportunities are around us every day, every minute. But are we grabbing them? Mm. Is the question I'm always asking people. We want to join the, join the choir and start complaining about things that 
that don't even concern us. We were migrants here to work. So why, why should I concern myself about everything else mm. at that point in time? Mm. Right? Wow, wow. So we, uh, we decided we were not going to join the complaint, the, you know, the complaints complaint. queue. And, you know, and the British queue. like queuing as, as well as Zimbabweans. We, we've learned through colonization to queue and we can queue effectively. So um, choosing to go against the grain and not queue. I, I would have liked to see how those conversations transpired with some of your, your colleagues in, in the care homes. And they're seeing you do this, managers, where they can... They thought we were crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> they they thought, Fungi, you've just got here. You go. What are you talking about? You've just got here. What are you talking about? You know, how dare you? You know, I've been here all my life. You know, fifth, tenth generation, all my life. And people cannot see the opportunities before their own eyes. Their heads are down and they're just working aimlessly. Because you said something that was, um, I hear all the time, as a pushback when I say you have to work hard. Yeah, as, as you said, you work hard. Of course you have to work hard at anything. But they say, oh, you, the first thing they say, no, you don't have to work hard anymore. You just have to work smart. And I would say, even if you're working smart, you still got to be doing that in a very diligent way. You can still got to work hard in a smart way. You know, so the whole working hard <laughs> is, is, is as a principle, as, as that, that's deeply ingrained in your psyche with the added capabilities that you have learned on your way the technology the entrepreneurship you know that in a, in a long and I think you said you and your husband this is something our couples also listen to the our my top club so I think you can speak to this one because you know the entrepreneurship is a lonely journey Very. and we have a saying in I don't know if it's Zimbabwean but my dad always told me this told me this saying no matter how many people sleep in your bed, you yeah. dream alone. So as a couple, one person had to dream. You had yeah. to, other person had to convince. Then you yeah. had to create a pact. So you had to, yeah. the, the, the biggest sell of your life was to convince. How did that go? What did you do? Yeah. So I think who you marry makes a difference in your life. 100%. You must marry good and marry well. You must know what you want in life. You must have a dream and be clear about what you want so that who you come across or you attract, they come and fit in in that dream. So for me, I remember when I got married, I didn't want to get married. Like So two things were not on my to-do list, getting married and then thinking of having kids early because of the background I had had with my poverty situation, I told myself I didn't want to get married early. I wanted to work hard, buy a house for my mom, change her life, and that was my dream then, you know? So I was very clear about that dream. By the time I got married to my husband, we had discussed this situation and we were very clear what we were supposed to do. And when we were coming to England, we were coming here to work and figure things out and do as much as we can within the first few years of our time. So clarity is very important. You must be on the same page with the person you marry and you must marry the people, not only for their looks, they must be aligned with you. That is super important, <laughs> man. That is super important. I see people in relationships and I think, where are you going? 
Like, so we were on the same page. So it was easy for me when we got here to say to my husband, let's figure things out rather than you going to work in the factories. Mm. Let's have you now start to build the baby at the Wolverhampton University while I continue to work and earn the money. Now, that conversation is a conversation I found a lot of women struggle with. Mm. simply because they wouldn't be on the same page with their partner. So I think being on the same page for us made things easier. So in the sense that we were trying new waters, but as we were trying those waters, we were not pulling each other, like, Mm. you know, pulling each other Mm. apart. Instead, we were focused on building each other. And that's really important. So that's literally how we did it. And then I remember as well in the community we lived in, I remember people passing comments to say, oh my gosh, look at her. She's just brought her husband to babysit her and to babysit him and give everything on the table because they they did not have visibility of our picture of what we were trying to do. So my husband would look like he wasn't going to work because every husband in that community was going to work in the factory. Mm. And for me, there was no way I was going to settle for for a factory work of her husband. No, that, that wasn't my dream. So, so again, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being a factory worker, but it just wasn't for me, right? Correct. I wanted more for us, more for my husband and more for myself and more for us. And we have walked that journey together and we've done amazing things to this day. So he's now a fintech entrepreneur. I am a health tech entrepreneur. And that's it. Life goes on, you know. So I think it's very important for people to be clear, very clear what they want in life and then pursue it. Absolutely, absolutely. And you talked upon um, women. I've, I've talked about, I could talk about my mother. Um, she was very instrumental in my life. Um, Zimbabwe women, they're, they're super, super powerful individuals. At the same time, they can be very subservient depending on, on how they are raised. Um, but my mom, she's, she, she has the spirit, same spirit as you. And I remember a conversation mm-hmm. where my mom, mom wanted to convince my father that going to real estate was a thing to do. This is like the early 80s. I remember it just being very short, just looking up. At the time, my parents were giants, so you can imagine how old I was. And my mom was busy. You know, she tried to sell it to my dad, and my dad was still traditional at those times, saying, oh, I've got, I've got, I want to finish my PhD, I want to go back to Zim, Zimbabwe now, it's independent. My mom was like, no, I don't want you to do go back and teach where, teach for what? We need to be here, we need to be, um, there's opportunities here. My mom then, before, before who wants to be a millionaire, she called a friend, she called my auntie, and she, they came around, and the two of them tag team each other, tagged in my dad and yeah. my dad was, was shaken to the core. He was like, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> to this very day, to this very day, my dad says, you know what? Everything that we have as Ham and Dishe came through my mother, through your mother, my wife, <laughs> you know, and the vision, the vision that she has, you know, and he introduced me to another concept about um, being a husband and uh, what a man means. And he says, Consider a husband as housebound. You know, you use you fortified the house. It's it's maybe contradictory to how other people view being a husband and wife. The wife rules a home, but it's bounded. It's bonded. You know, it's protected. You know, by the bond. You know that his husband should 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 be, um, should 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 live up to those ideals. I know we've got a situation where the genders are doing all sorts of things, and nothing is nothing is how it was in the past 
But when one person's up, other person has to be down. You know, whichever way you're going to look at it, you know. Um, and I think that's what it's about. You can't all do the same and play the same role simultaneously. Team, yeah, and it's teamwork. So mm. I think if you understand the concept of the teamwork and you, mm. you, you then just work together to say you're a pact, you're mm. a team, you are one. And mm. if you have those dreams clearly defined, it means that you will support each other towards whatever dream each one of you has. You work towards that dream and ha- at the end of the day, it's one big dream, even though everybody has got a purpose because we all have got a purpose that we need to achieve we have got a purpose why we are here on planet earth so it's about really working towards the greatness of each one of you everybody flourishing in what they're good at and what their purpose to do so yeah definitely absolutely and um just we've spoken a lot a lot of powerful stuff has been been said in terms of the 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 value now as an entrepreneur what is it that you do what is the product yeah, so for me right now, I am a um, health tech entrepreneur, like I've said. So life has taken me on a journey. The challenges have kind of driven me towards my purpose. And I strongly feel that right now I'm walking in my purpose and my work life is very aligned to what I believe to be my reason for, for being the planet Earth, right? So in 2004, my father and my father-in-law both died a week apart from undiagnosed diabetes. Now, at that point, I had so many different feelings which were driving me in so many different directions. But what really stuck with me was, how was I going to change the scenario? And why did it happen? What what was it related to? So it led me onto a research journey. So that's one scenario of 2004. Another scenario was in 2007, 2008, we all were affected by the recession. And when the recession came, guys, I woke up and literally one day you go on your desk and you know when you see emails coming and emails coming and emails coming, you've lost all the contracts. I was employing um, more than 40 people across five offices across England. That's how well the the business had done. And now you wake up and you've got these emails coming on to you and you think, right. Do I run away? Do I cry? Do I kill myself? Do I, what do I do? Mm. And I'm sure a lot of people experience that with the recession. But for me, I did all the crying and I would cry and cry and cry at home. And then I would wear my makeup and turn up at my office and be the leader for my team. And so that process of rock bottom and then figuring out how do you make the business survive such a difficult time when you've got no income, no contracts, but you still got payroll to pay at the end of the month? Who do you talk to? What do you do? How do you figure out? So for me, that was my biggest university lesson that has landed to part of what I do today. Re- the realization that, okay, so you can actually lose a business. You know, you can actually lose everything, literally, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you've lost everything, you are still left with responsibilities of expenses that sit on your head as a director of a business that you would need to make a decision. Those contracts, well, you've lost them, but you've got all these bills. You still have got to take people through the redundancy process and the the employment law in the UK. Now I'm like an employment law lawyer, literally. And you have to figure things out. Mm -hmm. So again, entrepreneurship is not... It, you know, it's not 
it's not a bed of roses. I wish it was, but I think it shouldn't because it is through figuring out that you get to where you need to be. So that figuring out process as well made me realize that, okay, so if I was going to make the business come back, how would I make it happen? Mm. That is when I started trying to figure out my tech journey because I wanted to, to have a business that was location independent. I wanted to have a business that was going to serve the community and solve problems, but a business that would transcend if ever something was, the, was the recession, like the recession would happen, it wouldn't impact the same way. So what was the lesson? That okay, guys, everybody ready? ready? Atomic. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God almighty. Yeah. Let that marinate for a little bit. You know, sometimes it's mm. good to pause and just let things breathe because without the process of reflection, you're going to miss a lot of great stuff. Yeah. You're going to miss a lot of great stuff. Yeah. So I want us mm. to just go to a little outro for a little bit. Yeah. A little break. 10 seconds just to breathe. You are so much more. MikeDropClub.com. Absolutely. Fun guys in the house making life boom. Um, she talked a lot about um, being able to figure it out. It's a simple, simple words. You know, I've heard that concept used in primary school. Figure it out. You know, because not only when we talk about entrepreneurship is a lonely journey. You, you have, you face crossroads where you either stick or move, isn't it? You stick with it or you move and you have to relearn and get new skills. So what new skills have you had to learn? You talked about employment law. You talked about technology. What are the skills that they don't teach you in the entrepreneurial handbook that you had to re-educate yourself or educate yourself? Absolutely. So now, you know, going through that process, you pick up new lessons and new schools, like I'm saying. I now contribute to business school entrepreneurship modules at the universities. I do it with Wolverhampton University and I'm doing entrepreneur modules with Oxford University because theory does not prepare you for the real world. So for me, the lessons that I've picked up, like I'm saying, it's been the best university because no, nothing prepares you for failure. And failure moments you must cherish those moments and it's very painful you must cry you must do everything but you must go back on your desk and think okay what is my lesson what is my lesson and what is my lesson so for me that's what I do so when I when I fail and I fail hard I know that there is a big win buried within this very big failure mm. so I go back on my drawing board and I dissect everything and I compartmentalize things and I look at, okay, what is my biggest lesson? So for me, this whole process of going through the recession taught me how to have a strong team around me that supports um, me on my entrepreneurship journey. And that strong team consists of your bank manager, your accountant, your legal team, because these are the key people that will help you on your success journey and your financial advisor. So now I realized that through this process, I had got these people around me and now I learned how to leverage on them. Mm. 
Right. So now I can draw out of them. You know, people, when the people say the power of your network determines your net worth. For me, this is it. Who do you draw from? Hey guys, everybody ready? Atomic mic drop. I've heard that so many times. Your your network is your net worth, but never eloquently explained based upon the journey that 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 someone's been on. So no, I salute you on that one. Absolutely, absolutely. And just just so that um the listeners are aware of where we're going here in terms of entrepreneurship and in terms of business. The majority of entrepreneurs, the majority of businesses fell. We, we know that. And those who fell continue to fail and don't ever resurrect themselves. And one of the key lessons I've learned through business is to not be in the business. And yeah. I think, Funga, if you can explain more about the fact that when you have a perceived failure or a lesson, it's, it's the time for you to then build your business with not with, with you not in those roles because I'm sure when you first started those roles of business advisor lawyer um, um, strategic transformation techie you're doing all those roles yourself because you are in the business and now you've talked about the team assembling the team so you've taken a step back how when did you come to the realization that you need to build a business in that way the recession. So when the recession happened, you have lost all the contracts and then you turn up on that desk and then um, you are now looking for help. And then when you're looking for help, um, we had to invite um, solicitors to come in and do a business evaluation to see actually what was the business. Was there, is it, was there even a business? So when that process happened and they came in, they realized that I was the business. Because everything was here in my head. The processes, who is responsible for what, who. So the business was based around fungi. But if we removed fungi, there was no business. So you can be running an enterprise or a business that's making huge amounts of money. But actually, the business is you. Your death today could mean the close of the doors. Mm. And, and for me, that. That was the biggest realization because when they came to do that, they said, well, you know, the the evaluation is this much. There isn't isn't really anything here because you've lost all the contracts. So there's nothing left, like, Mm. you know. Mm. So so really then for me, rather than um, I could have closed the doors. It was that bad, Douglas. I could have closed the doors and walked away. But I, I chose to stick it in and to learn. And so I put myself forward and say, look, I had started, we had just started the business from scratch, you know, no business experience, no knowledge, nothing. And this is how far we've, we've done, but we are willing to, to learn. So you've got to be willing to put yourself forward and recognize where your weaknesses are, your challenges are, and be willing to get the support that you need. And then thank God for the people that we had ahead around me because they were willing to carry me and walk with me to say, okay, we are going to support you. For, 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 for us to support you, you need to put one, two, three, four, five things in place. And now that realization, I decided that that was going to be the last. I was going to stop being the business. And that's how my tech journey, was. the tech entrepreneurship was born because I had to do a process of taking everything out from here and put it on paper and then create a system written from scratch of how to run my business, but from a systemic process. So we now have, 
a, a branded system that is that the patents are owned by the company and the organization which they have taken from here onto paper, onto writing it onto a software. And that's what is software. Brilliant. Absolutely. Okay, guys, everybody ready? Atomic. Wow, 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 wow. You have to get one of those because that is what it's about. And that that coming to that realization sooner is so much better than going five, 10, 20 years down the line, then coming to that realization because we're not getting any younger. And so many, so many entrepreneurs realize it's too late for them to physically pivot and redefine what their business means. So we've gone this journey. This journey has been fantastic. And I'm sure all the listeners are at home or wherever you listen to this podcast can testify that Fungi is a different breed of human. And this is what it's like on the Mic Drop Club. We like to share these powerful conversations so they not only inspire us, they not only give us hope, but allow us to see that you don't have to look like the, the guests, but you just copy some of the values and principles into your own life. Don't worry if you didn't have the teachers. Seek out knowledge, seek out people like Fungai and learn from them and apply those knowledges and you can, you too can succeed. So any um, closing tips for our, 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 our list, listeners out there, what would you want to leave them with? Right. So I want to leave people with the thought and the belief that you have a dream and you have a purpose that is buried within you. and learn to fall in love with the challenges we need them because without the challenges you are not going to realize your full potential very important and and number two i also want to demystify the myth that um you know as you have built the business and the higher you go the easier it becomes because it doesn't become any easier but it becomes more complex. It's just the problems you were having when you were smaller, they become bigger as you grow. But very important to invest into the business and invest into whatever they are doing. It's not about the money in your bank account. It's about having a business that, it, that can be evaluated and be called a business that will transcend, transcend you. When you're gone, that business will be there and will be changing and transforming lives. And so for me, that's, that's what I now live for. While I, I run these um, healthcare companies that I do have, they can operate without me. I'm not, I'm not the real deal because I have learned from the recession and from bad experiences that business is all about you making it have its own DNA and its own processes in place. So that's what I would want to leave the listeners with. So anybody can do it and don't limit yourself. Okay, hey guys, everybody ready? Atomic <laughs> mic drop. Fungai, you're, you're a star, you're brilliant. And, you know, I, I, I urge anyone listening to this to rewind it, play it back. Rewind is probably something that shows my age. Just play it again if you're using digital content, digital media player or something like that. But, Play it back. Let let that marinate and apply some of those those lessons. So no, with no further ado, I want to say, fun guy, thank you very much for blessing the mic drop club, and we wish you more success. Is it okay for us to share your your handles on our platform so people can get a hold of you, find out a bit more about the the tech that you're um delivering into the health and social care space? 
Absolutely. So people can find me. I love to be on Instagram because I love inspiring younger generation and passing on the button stick. And you can find me on my YouTube. My name is the same for Guy Demra. And I'm on LinkedIn, connecting with like-minded entrepreneur and my other life, I'm an investor as well because I like investing into startups. Like I'm saying, you know, we have got to keep the wheel going, right? So, yeah, you can find me and happy for you to share. Absolutely. Right. Thank you so Fantastic. much for having me. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for Thank listening. You Don't forget to check out micdropclub.com and get the show notes and useful links. Subscribe to the podcast. Don't just live life. Make life boom. Boom.